everyone thinks you are, not what the culture tells us we are, but we need to understand who we really are. Remember we started by talking about part of wisdom is knowing what you don't know? We live in a culture that says, if you do X, Y, and Z, then you are this. But Jesus says, look, you're saying, look, I'm wealthy. I, I, I got it together. I'm wealthy. I don't need anything. Today, as Pastor Daniel digs deeper into John's letter to the Laodiceans to help us understand who we really are, he points out that they were blind to their true spiritual condition. They'd fallen into the trap that Satan had set for them and uses the same one on us today. They were lured in by pride. Their financial success and popularity kept them from fulfilling what God had called them to do. Listen in to learn how to identify the areas of your own life where Jesus is standing outside wanting to come in. They weren't healing or refreshing. They were just in the middle. And Jesus literally spits them out. So he says here, I will. Notice that he doesn't say I might. He says I will vomit you out of my mouth. And this is, I mean, I spent a lot of time with this this week. I've read this before, studied, I've taught this, but I'm like, man, Jesus is rough here right now. And what's fascinating and very provocative is Jesus said, I would rather you be either all in, hot, or all out more than I want you to be complacent and lukewarm. Now, do you realize Jesus is saying, I would rather you not even follow me than follow me in a way that is lukewarm. I spent a lot of time with that. I'm like, how can Jesus say that? And here's why I think Jesus can say that. Because there's nothing that turns off people more to Christianity than lukewarm followers of Jesus. There's nothing that makes Jesus less attractive than people who are following him who really aren't, who pull the curve a certain way as to what it means to be a Christian. So Jesus is saying, I'd rather you not even follow me than do it the way you're doing it. Now, I believe, and we're going to see it, that this is a strong word for us today because it's very easy in our culture where it costs us nothing to follow Jesus to be this type of a Christian. Everything in our culture pulls us, pulls us from being hot for Christ to being lukewarm. Because it's easier in our culture to be kind of, you know, be Christian on Sunday and be nothing during the week. Our culture pulls us in that direction. But when I read Jesus saying, look, I, because you're lukewarm, I want to throw you up. I say to myself, you know what, I'd rather, I'd rather not be as popular and, and not make Jesus puke then be a culturally appropriate follower of Jesus and make Jesus want to vomit in his mouth. But here's the deal. I'm only responsible for my life. And each one of us are responsible for our own lives. 
And if you're here today and, you're, and the Holy Spirit of God is putting his, his finger on your heart and saying, man, that's you, you're lukewarm. There's no judgment. There's no condemnation. But say, Lord, I want to be hot. That's why, I, you know, that's why you notice the diagnosis, be hot. That's what your bulletin says. Because I didn't want to say diagnosis, Jesus is puking because of you. I didn't think that would be appropriate. And you guys wouldn't come anyway. I mean, who wants to hear that on a Sunday morning? Thanks so much, Pastor Daniel. I gave up preseason football to hear don't make Jesus puke because you're gross. So the diagnosis from Jesus is be hot. Say, Lord. Say, Lord, that's me. I'm sorry, Lord. I don't want to make you puke. I've thrown up. I don't like the way it feels. Lord, make me hot. Turn the fire up. Burn me up, Lord. And I believe that what God wants to do in the church in Laodicea some 2,000 years ago and in Crossroads right now is take all of us and all of us say, Lord, in the ways that I'm kind of lukewarm, I want you to fire me up. Let me burn bright for your glory, God. I've gotten a little lukewarm along the way, God, but God, I want you to fire me up. I want you to make me so burning hot that Jesus is like, mm, 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 just my favorite temperature. <laughs> Amen. True that. But what's amazing is if you say, well, look, I just, this is just who I am, then Jesus is like, okay. And we make Jesus the puker. So we make him. But I believe God wants to fire us up. No matter how on fire you are, you know there's the next level in Christ, isn't there? Even though he has finished the work, and we were, I mean, think about the Apostle Paul. I mean, how did that guy do that? Do you ever wonder that? Like, how did he do that? I mean, Paul was on fire. And then he was more on fire and more on fire and more on fire. And I believe God wants to keep us perpetually just like the odometer, the speedometer pinned in the red. And I believe we're created to exist there by, empowered by the Holy Spirit. You might say, well, listen, man, if I'm all the way picked, at some point the engine's going to blow. No, 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 no. The Spirit's a deep well. There's no let off point. There's no like, man, if I run too hard, too long, that's going to be the end of me. No, no, no. Not in the things of the Spirit. There's always that next level to get to. There's always that next step with Jesus. That's why we say here, we celebrate people taking the next steps. Because I realize that every single one of you, including me, all of the Crossroads staff and pastors, there's another step for all of us to take. You never arrived. I mean, I think about this. Pastor Bill, he's been the, the pastor for 37 years. God got him on a next step too. I think of Ruby, who's, she's here today. She's been walking with the Lord. She's over 90. She always says, Pastor Daniel, I've never known what it's like to not walk with Jesus. I've always walked with Jesus my whole life. God's got a next step for Miss Ruby. I mean, how cool is that? This is never like a, I reached my five-year plan and now I'm done in the things of God. There's always that next thing that God is saying, okay, you're doing awesome. Now on to the next thing. And I don't know about you. I don't want to be lukewarm. I don't want to be like, yeah, I used to be so hot and now I'm kind of cooled down. No, man. Lord, fire us up by your Holy Spirit. We hope the church in Laodicea heard this from Jesus. Now, look at what happens in verse 17 because there's more bad. There's more bad that's coming. Look at what it says. Because you say I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and do not know 
that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Now notice this. This church suffered from spiritual blindness. They say, I'm rich. I become wealthy. I don't need anything. He says, but you don't realize that you are naked, that you are wretched, you are miserable, that you are poor and blind. Here, verse 17 teaches that we need to understand who you really are. Understand who you really are. Not what everyone thinks you are, not what the culture tells us we are, but we need to understand who we really are. Remember, we started by talking about part of wisdom is knowing what you don't know. We live in a culture that says, if you do X, Y, and Z, then you are this. But Jesus says, look, you're saying, look, I'm wealthy. I, I, I got it together. I'm wealthy. I don't need anything. And Jesus is like, you don't even realize that you are, I mean, look at these adjectives. I mean, just Im imagine gentle, loving Jesus saying this to us, to me. But you do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Talk about deluded to who we really are. You can imagine the church in Laodicea. They're like, man, we had the church of the Laodiceans. Man, we got it going. I mean, look at us. We got it going on. Jesus is like, you guys don't even realize who you are. In every single generation, there's blind spots. We look back on previous generations, and you're like, I can't believe they thought that that was okay. And every generation looks at the previous generations and says, I can't believe they thought that that was okay. Very rarely does a culture look at its own generation and say, I can't believe we think that's okay. Because what's funny is in 50 years at the Lord Dairies, people are going to be looking at this generation and be like, what were they thinking? See, we need to come to the Lord and say, God, search my heart and reveal to me who I am. Reveal to me who I am, Lord. Reveal to me my blind spots that I don't even realize. Reveal to me those things that I always do that I don't even realize that they're wrong because I'm so used to doing them. That's just who I am. The church in Laodicea was completely blinded. See, they weren't simply indifferent. They were ignorant. They thought, man, we got it going on. We're loaded. We're rich. We don't need anything. Jesus like, you don't even realize. Your condition is wretched and miserable. The Bible teaches simply that you have not because what? You ask not. You know what's beautiful about, I'll sit down with you guys on this one, because I'm, I'm living here with you. God does not reveal our flaws to hurt us. He doesn't. He doesn't say you're all jacked up because he wants to one-up you and be like, ha ha, yeah, loser. He doesn't do that. God tells us these things he tells us these things because he loves us enough to not want us to be ignorant. That's why he does it. And so if God is placing his finger on stuff in your life, my life right now, he's not doing it because he hates you. He does it because he loves you. He doesn't do it because he wants to hurt your feelings. He does it because he wants to jar you out of the complacency that's keeping you from being the person that God wants you to be. And what's so awesome about that is that God knows he's going to take us to the next step. G.I. Joe used to say, knowing is half the battle, right? It's a good quote from the 80s, you know. It's good. Once we realize what we are, then we can say, Lord, change me now. Give me the grace to be changed.
think about the church in Laodicea, I think about you and I, and I think to myself, you know, this is awesome that God loves them enough to tell them where they're at. Not because he's mad at them, but because he loves them and wants to do a great thing in their life. So if God's putting his finger on your stuff today, it's not because he's mad at you. He does it because he loves you. And if you don't believe me, if you don't believe me, look at what he says. Look at verse 18 to 20. He says, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich, and white garments, that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed, and anoint your eyes with eye salve, that you may see as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come to him and dine with him and he with me. See, here's the challenge. The challenge is to just let Jesus in. That's the challenge for you and for me today. Just let Jesus in. We like to say it here. Just simply respond to Jesus. It's all the same picture because he tells this church. Remember, he just told them not only he said that you are wretched and miserable. That's a heart condition. But then the actual needs, you are poor, blind, and naked. Then he's next thing he says to him, he says, look, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may be rich. You see that? He's saying, look, you don't realize that you're poor. Let me give you true riches. That's what he says. He's like, instead of trusting in your banking system and your great industry, trust in me who can give you gold refined in the fire. That means the purest of gold, the treasure that can never be devalued, not by nature or by people. Let me give you these riches, the greatest riches in the world, riches that abide forever. He says, yes, although you're naked, I'll give you white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. The Laodiceans were renowned for their black wool. Jesus is saying, look, yeah, you guys have this great ability to clothe yourself in this fashionable black wool. Let me give you white garments. And you guys know that white garment speaks of forgiveness. He's saying, look, you're all soiled. You are, you've been outside in the wilderness working. You're sweaty and dirty and it's nasty. And he's like, look, let me clothe you in the white garments of forgiveness. And then he goes, an eye salve that you may see. The Phrygian powder was well known. It was an eye ointment. And Jesus is saying, look, I want to open your eyes and give you true sight. Just let Jesus in. Now, for some of you, you need to let Jesus in for the first time. You've never once said, I am going to follow Jesus. I want my sins forgiven. I want to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, that God's Spirit would come into my life and, and work out. You've never once had God clothe you in white. And you need to do that today. If you're here where I'm standing in the sanctuary, if you're in the chapel and we see you guys over there, there's pastors there. You're going to have to give your life to Jesus. If you're watching online, listen. If you're watching, you have to give your life to Jesus. You have to commit your way to him. Admit that you've made mistakes. Believe in Jesus and follow him. You need to do that for the very first time. But don't forget, Jesus is talking to a church. And most of the people in Laodicea have already done that. For some of us, we need to say, Lord, my riches are in you. And yeah, I have a job, and I'm going to do as well as I can, but Lord, that's not going to be my God. Materialism is not going to be my God. Say, Lord, I want the white garments of forgiveness more than I want 
the fashion that's putting me in debt and I don't need to be. Say, Lord, I want true sight, not just great bifocal so everything's clear, but true spiritual sight that I may see as the Lord's. I love what we sang earlier. Break my heart for what breaks yours. That's spiritual sight. Seeing people who they are in their brokenness and loving them right where they are. Because that's what God has done with me and with you. He's saying, look, let me in. Let me take care of what, where you really are. Not only that, look at what he says in verse 19. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. You see that? Listen, you do not discipline somebody else's kids, or you shouldn't, or you're going to get in trouble with the law. You just don't do that, right? You discipline your own kids because you love them. And Jesus is saying, look, the reason I'm telling you this is because I love you. When God convicts our hearts through his word, through his spirit, when he says, not for you, that's proof that you're God's child because God does not rebuke and discipline those who aren't his. So if you have that gnaw in your heart, reading the letter to the Laodiceans like I have, teaching it to you and I had all week, Lord, where am I lukewarm? I don't want to be lukewarm. That's proof that I'm God's child because he says, look, I love you enough to take care of you. It's interesting when you think about this because it's so easy to say, well, why would God do that? It's a fact of life that the best athletes and the finest scholars receive the hardest and most demanding training. Do you think Michael Phelps gets the same training that your kid does in swim club? No, right? Football season started. Do you think those guys train the way that we do at the gym? No, why? Their training needs to be harder, more disciplined, more aggressive. Why? Because they're the best in the world. And when you're God's child, he loves you enough to put you through tough reps in the things of the Spirit because you're a child of the King. And that is not entitlement to play video games for the rest of your life. That is a holy calling. And that's why God puts us through the reps. Look what he says. He's like, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, and when you see therefore, what do you say? What's it there for? That's right. It's a conclusion word. When you see it therefore, you say, what's it there for? As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, now this is our job, be zealous and repent. There it is. Be zealous. Be passionate. Don't be passive. Don't be lukewarm. Don't be indifferent. Be zealous and repent. That means to change direction. Be zealous and repent. And that's our job today. If we feel that lukewarmness and God's love is giving us a hard time over it because he loves us, he says, look, get passionate and change your direction. And that's a decision of the will. Repentance is a simple decision of the will. That's all it is. It's saying, I was going this way. Now I'm going to go this way, Lord. And then look at what happens in verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him, and he with me. Just let Jesus in. Jesus is standing at the door of the church. He's outside. He's knocking. He wants to get in. There was a story about a, an artist who wanted to render this, and he finished the painting, and he brought his friends over. And he said, tell me what you think about this painting. And one of the guys like, hey, you missed something. The door's got no knob on it. And he's like, no, I did that on purpose because the, the doorknob is on the inside. 
Jesus is outside. He's asking to be let in. Brother, sister, no matter where you are on your spiritual journey, Jesus is knocking at the door for all of us today, saying, just let me in. But the knob's on our side of the door. Jesus isn't going to bust the door down SWAT style. No. I mean, that would be pretty awesome to see Jesus do that, actually. But he's knocking at the door. He's saying, I'm standing at the door knocking. He said, if anyone opens the door, and I love I'll come in with him, and I'll dine with him, and he with me. Revelation chapter 19, verse 9. Jesus said, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true sayings of God. See, it's amazing. Jesus wants to come in so he can have a fellowship meal with you. In that culture, eating together was all about relationship. Jesus is saying, look, if you let me in, he didn't say, I'm just going to bust your house up. I'm going to throw a crazy party. He says, look, I want to have a meal with you. That's how relational God is. He's saying, if you let me in, I'm going to have a relationship with you. We're going to break bread together. We're going to enjoy a fellowship meal together. Think about that. God is saying, let me in because I want to hang out with you. I want to have a relationship with you. And I'm here to tell you that the relationship that God, the true and living and personal and intimate God wants to have with you, that's the game changer. If you become a Christian today, it's not about some religion thing that you follow. It's about a relationship that opens up with God that, that grows over time like any true relationship. And God is saying, look, I'm here knocking. All you have to do is let me in. And no matter where you've been or what you've done, if you turn to him, if you turn to him, he's like, yeah, I've been waiting for you. I'm just here waiting at the door and just knocking. Just knocking. And all you have to do is just open the door and let him in. Let him in. Now, as we close out this letter, look what it says in verse 21. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. So the promise is simply that we sit with Jesus where he is. Sit with Jesus where he is. You see how this this letter has evolved? It began, it's bad. Jesus is all that, but he wants to puke over the church. And then he's saying, no, 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 listen, understand who you are. Let me in. And now I want you to sit down permanently with me where I am. See how beautiful that is? He's saying, look, I'm all that. You guys are jacked up. You need to understand where you're at. And then let me in. And then we're going to spend eternity together. This idea of sitting down on his father's throne with him. This speaks of the coming of the fullness of the kingdom where Jesus rules and reigns. And he's saying, look, I want you to sit down on that throne with me. And Jesus' rule and reign is not some sort of iron-fisted rule. It's a benevolent rule. It's a rule based on love and kindness. He's saying, look, I want you to reign with me. Jesus is I wanted to thank you so much for listening in at Jesus is Real Radio. I am blessed and humbled that you would take the time and you would grow alongside of this. Now listen, the teaching on Christian Radio, it's amazing. Praise God for all the teaching. But listen, just receiving 
God's word is not God's design for you as a disciple. It just didn't say, listen, if you want to be my disciple, I want you to listen to good Christian teaching. Jesus, in effect, said, listen, if you want to be my disciple, I want you to be part of the family of God, the people of God, the church. Now, listen. Believe me, I know church is not easy. There's all sorts of people at church. Sometimes things don't go well. I know for many of you, you probably have church baggage because you got hurt or something went on. But listen, God designed a community of believers, a congregation to be the primary way that we are discipled. And so listen, you need to be involved in a local church. God wants you to be growing with a group of people. You need to be in a church that teaches God's word unashamedly, not one that's going to make excuses. You need to be in a church where the pastor's going to say things that you're not going to like. Why? Because then you go to the Lord and say, Lord, what do you want me to do with this? You need to be in a church with people who aren't exactly like you. Because in church, when iron is sharpening iron and you're getting rubbed a unique way by someone who you wouldn't normally hang out with, God will do something amazing. So listen, if you're in the Portland, Vancouver metro area, come join us here at Crossroads. But wherever you are, find a good church, not only because God wants you to, but because God wants you to be blessed there and God wants to use your gifts as a blessing in the people of God. God bless you.